0: Chapter twenty two of The House on the Borderland by William Hope Hodgson This LibriVox recording is in the public domain THE DARK NEBULA Years melted into the past, centuries, eons, The light of the incandescent star sank to a furious red, It was later that I saw the Dark Nebula, At first an impalpable cloud away to my right; It grew steadily to a clot of blackness in the night. How long I watched, it is impossible to say. For time, as we count it, was a thing of the past. It came closer, a shapeless monstrosity of darkness, tremendous. It seemed to slip across the night, sleepily, a very hell-fog. Slowly it slid nearer and passed into the void between me and the central suns. It was as though a curtain had been drawn before my vision. A strange tremor of fear took me, and a fresh sense of wonder. The green twilight that had reigned for so many millions of years had now given place to impenetrable gloom. Motionless I peered about me. A century fled— and it seemed to me that I detected occasional dull glows of red passing me at intervals. Earnestly I gazed, and presently seemed to see circular masses that showed muddily red within the clouded blackness. They appeared to be growing out of the nebulous murk. A while, and they became plainer to my accustomed vision, I could see them now, with a fair amount of distinctness, ruddy-tinged spheres, similar in size to the luminous globes that I had seen so long previously. They floated past me, continually. Gradually a peculiar uneasiness seized me. I became aware of a growing feeling of repugnance and dread. It was directed against those passing orbs, and seemed born of intuitive knowledge rather than of any real cause or reason— Some of the passing globes were brighter than others, and it was from one of these that a face looked suddenly, a face human in its outline, but so tortured with woe that I stared aghast. I had not thought there was such sorrow as I saw there. I was conscious of an added sense of pain, on perceiving that the eyes which glared so wildly were sightless. A while longer I saw it. Then it had passed on into the surrounding gloom. After this I saw others, all wearing that look of hopeless sorrow and blind. A long time went by and I became aware that I was nearer to the orbs than I had been. At this I grew uneasy, though I was less in fear of those strange globules than I had been before seeing their sorrowful inhabitants, for sympathy had tempered my fear. Later, There was no doubt but that I was being carried closer to the red spheres, and presently I floated among them. In a while I perceived one bearing down upon me. I was helpless to move from its path. In a minute it seemed it was upon me, and I was submerged in a deep red mist. This cleared, and I stared confusedly across the immense breadth of the plain of silence. It appeared just as I had first seen it. I was moving forward, steadily across its surface. Away ahead shone the vast, blood-red ring. Author's footnote. Without doubt the flame-edged mass of the dead central sun, seen from another dimension. End of Author's footnote. That lit the place. All around was spread the extraordinary desolation of stillness, that had so impressed me during my previous wanderings across its starkness. Presently I saw, rising up into the ruddy gloom, the distant peaks of the mighty amphitheater of mountains, where, untold ages before, I had been shown my first glimpse of the terrors that underlie many things. And where, vast and silent, watched by a thousand mute gods, stands the replica of this house of mysteries, This house that I had seen swallowed up in that hell-fire ere the earth had kissed the sun, and vanished forever. Though I could see the crests of the mountain amphitheatre, yet it was a great while before their lower portions became visible. Possibly this was due to the strange ruddy haze that seemed to cling to the surface of the plain. However be this as it may, I saw them at last.' In a still further space of time I had come so close to the mountains that they appeared to overhang me. Presently I saw the great rift open before me, and I drifted into it, without volition on my part. Later I came out upon the breadth of the enormous arena. There, at an apparent distance of some five miles, stood the house, huge, monstrous and silent, lying in the very center of that stupendous amphitheater, So far as I could see it had not altered in any way, but looked as though it were only yesterday that I had seen it. Around the grim dark mountains frowned down upon me from their lofty silences. Far away to my right, away up among inaccessible peaks, loomed the enormous bulk of the great beast-god. By her I saw the hideous form of the dread goddess rising up through the red gloom thousands of fathoms above me. To the left I made out the monstrous eyeless thing, gray and inscrutable. Further off, reclining on its lofty edge, the livid ghoul shape showed, a splash of sinister color among the dark mountains. Slowly I moved out across the great arena, floating— As I went I made out the dim forms of many other lurking horrors that peopled those supreme heights. Gradually I neared the house, and my thoughts flashed back across the abyss of years. I remembered the dread spectre of the place. A short while passed, and I saw that I was being wafted directly toward the enormous mass of that silent building. About this time I became aware— in an indifferent sort of way of a growing sense of numbness, that robbed me of the fear which I should otherwise have felt in approaching that awesome pile. As it was, I viewed it calmly, much as a man views calamity through the haze of his tobacco smoke. In a little while I had come so close to the house as to be able to distinguish many of the details about it. The longer I looked, the more was I confirmed in my long-ago impressions of its entire similitude to this strange house. Save in its enormous size, I could find nothing unlike. Suddenly, as I stared, a great feeling of amazement filled me. I had come opposite to that part where the outer door leading into the study is situated. There lying right across the threshold lay a great length of coping-stone identical save in size and color, with the piece I had dislodged in my fight with the pit creatures. I floated nearer, and my astonishment increased as I noticed that the door was broken partly from its hinges, precisely in the manner that my study door had been forced inward by the assaults of the swine-things. The sight started a train of thoughts, and— I began to trace dimly that the attack on this house might have a far deeper significance than I had hitherto imagined. I remembered how long ago, in the old earth days, I had half suspected that, in some unexplainable manner, this house in which I live was en rapport, to use a recognized term, with that other tremendous structure, away in the midst of that incomparable plain.' Now, however, it began to be borne upon me that I had but vaguely conceived what the realization of my suspicion meant. I began to understand, with a more than human clearness, that the attack I had repelled was in some extraordinary manner connected with an attack upon that strange edifice. With a curious inconsequence my thoughts abruptly left the matter to dwell wonderingly upon the peculiar material out of which the house was constructed. It was, as I have mentioned earlier, of a deep green color. Yet now that I had come so close to it, I perceived that it fluctuated at times, though slightly, glowing and fading, much as do the fumes of phosphorus when rubbed upon the hand in the dark. Presently my attention was distracted from this, by coming to the great entrance— Here, for the first time, I was afraid. For all in a moment the huge doors swung back, and I drifted in between them helplessly. Inside all was blackness, impalpable. In an instant I had crossed the threshold, and the great doors closed, silently shutting me in that lightless place. For a while I seemed to hang motionless, suspended amid the darkness, Then I became conscious that I was moving again, where I could not tell. Suddenly, far down beneath me, I seemed to hear a murmurous noise of swine laughter. It sank away, and the succeeding silence appeared clogged with horror. Then a door opened somewhere ahead, a white haze of light filtered through, and I floated slowly into a room that seemed strangely familiar. All at once there came a bewildering screaming noise that deafened me, I saw a blurred vista of visions flaming before my sight, my senses were dazed through the space of an eternal moment, then my power of seeing came back to me, the dizzy, hazy feeling passed, and I saw clearly. End of chapter twenty two recording by john Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.